Welcome in. It is the first PFF betting podcast after a Sunday slate week one. Uh, all but in the books at this point in time. We are recording this at halftime of the Rams-Bears game. Rams are up 13-7 to at this point in time. We will see if we get some more scoring in the second half to get over that 46.5 point total. It looks like the Rams are probably going to cover. They are out to a live line at minus 17.5. I do think there was a lot of takeaways here, Kevin, uh, from week one specifically. Do you, do you think... Uh, you're going to see quite a bit of overreaction to what happened in week one. And where are you like most sensitive to that probably going to happen at this point in time? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the NFL if there wasn't overreaction. <laughs> so yeah, as far as where I'm going to be most sensitive to that, I don't know. I, I think, I think we'll have to see. I mean, you could say that certain offenses that you were hoping that would look good, uh, like maybe the bills a little bit earlier, things were a little bit slow there until they started to pick things up. The Atlanta Falcons just completely laid an egg today. So that's probably something that's seen as problematic. And then the Aaron Rodgers stuff, I don't think anyone is actually overreacting to it, but it'll just be some sort of, you know, UFO type of conspiracy galaxy brain theory about the fact that he's not even trying or there's dissension or there are all, all those stories are coming if they cannot turn things around in week two, but we may hear them even before that. Right. Definitely. I mean, and the, the, I think it is going to be a popular take here really quickly. Cause I, I mean, I've not seen a team, not necessarily look more unprepared, but it was just not at all what I was expecting basically to come out from the Packers at that point in time. So I think from that perspective, it does, I don't know if it's necessarily like being sensitive to the idea of maybe we need to update some of our things that we thought in the preseason, but I do think that there are probably some more areas where I am probably going to be more sensitive or whatever to it, right? Like the Cardinals, for instance, I kind of expected the Titans to actually play pretty well. Titans close as favorites, minus two and a half points, and they were never at all in the game against Arizona. I thought Kyler Murray looked really good. Um, so I think from that perspective, uh, worst projected team in the NFC West, I do think that they could potentially compete. Do you think that's a little bit of an overreaction from the Arizona Cardinals perspective? Yeah, I think it might be slightly. I mean, I was completely wrong, not necessarily about, well, we'll see. I guess Tennessee's defense could just really be that bad, but I was concerned about this Cardinals offense just for the fact that we hadn't seen anything other than Kyler Murray's ability to make things happen with his legs. That was really all that was carrying the offense last year. If you look at how efficient they were passing the ball on dropbacks, uh, it was basically league average, and that includes some pretty substantial Kyler Murray scrambles that he had there. So to see him put up the game that he did today, he did a little bit with his legs, but it wasn't overwhelming what he did there. Uh, that was a, a good sign for them, but it could just be that the Titans are that bad on defense. Right, right, right. And that that could be like the main takeaway as well. It might be a spot to like target from you know a DFS fantasy perspective and those sorts of things. So I guess at this point, I thought the Seahawks looked pretty good. Obviously took care of business in Indianapolis. Uh, 49ers kind of, I think for three quarters, basically took care of the Lions. Lions yeah. kind of got a little plucky at the end of the back door covering those sorts of things. Do you still think the 49ers are the favorite of the NFC West at this point in time? Yeah, I think I do. I mean, I'm not a believer in the Rams, uh, mostly because I'm still a little bit of a question mark on Matthew Stafford. Uh, I mean, we're recording this at halftime, so who knows what will right. happen in the second half. He had that huge play to start the game. I got a little nervous there, but then he was kind of doing some Stafford-y type of things, like when he took a sack later where, you know, we're not going to ding him too much for that because the offensive line got overwhelmed. But I do think there's this like differentiating thing with a great quarterback where they just learn how to throw an incompletion on that play rather than take a sack. And, and so right. he, he's doing some of 
that sort of stuff. Um, so for, for that reason, uh, and the fact that you're just expecting the Rams defense to regress somewhat uh, for that reason, I would put them out ahead, but you know, I always thought the, I always thought the Seahawks were, were undervalued and, you know, maybe Russ is, is gone from overrated as I called him famously uh, going into last season to now maybe a little bit underrated. So maybe uh, in a few more weeks, he'll be overrated again, but obviously a huge outing for him today. Right, right, definitely. I do like the fact that you're swinging back and forth, kind of riding the opposite wave at this point in time, because I think you were first on board with Russell Wilson being overrated. I definitely think that showed out in the second half of last season. And I do agree. I do think they, that the Seahawks in general a little bit underrated. I do think they are the team uh, to probably target in the NFC West at this point in time. They are my bet uh, to potentially win that division. So I want to ask some more. I want to ask just one more kind of question, broader question about the AFC. I do think there are some, you know, young and up and coming teams, new quarterbacks, those sorts of things. I don't think the Jets or Jaguars showed out that well today. Bengals had a pretty good win at home over the Vikings in overtime. Um, Patriots lost a little bit to actually beat the Patriots. Out of those four teams, who are you most optimistic about challenging for uh, a playoff spot in that AFC? Yeah, uh, I do like the dolphins. So, and it helps to have that, that victory there. So I think that there's, there's something there. So maybe I'll put them into that bucket. Uh, but again, it's, it's just so hard to say after this first week, I mean, the dolphins were defense relied a lot upon turnovers. They got right. a lucky turnover here when they, when they really needed it. And they got also another fumble earlier in the game from Andre Stevenson. So to get two fumbles in one game, um, is a pretty good thing because, you know, running backs, while they can fumble the ball, it's some, it's a, it's a, something that happens on maybe one to 2% of rushing plays. And they got, ended up getting two of those in one game. Yep, definitely. And I do agree. Those definitely unstable. Some of the things that they had happen to them, uh, this game, I don't know. I I kind of still am buying into a little bit. Um, the Bengals potentially, I do think they have a pretty poor defense, but I do think that offense. I was impressed to see Jamar Chase basically, you know, kind of emerge from his preseason struggles. Obviously, we all expected that to happen, but actually see it come into fruition, I felt it was a pretty comforting feeling. So that was probably my favorite betting spot from Week One, the Bengals. So I do think uh, maybe just a little bit biased in that regard. But we will yeah, see how that they... was uh, fading, fading the preseason and fading, fading the, the preseason. fading the training camp helped there. <laughs> fade in the training camp but let's do it we're moving on monday night football we got ravens in la or sorry in las vegas holy crap um in las vegas first time we're gonna have fans in the stands in that new las vegas stadium right now four point road favorites for baltimore 50.5 total what are you kind of seeing or making from this game what are you most excited to see in this matchup do you think there's any betting spots available at this point in time yeah it's I mean, I, if it's something that where your initial thought is, I think most people's initial thought is going to be towards the Ravens on this. Um, but we don't really know what, what the situation is with home field advantage. Obviously it's going to probably be more significant than it was without crowds last year, where it was basically nothing, but it wasn't too significant the year before either. Uh, the fact that it's a new stadium can have something to do with it. I do think there is like familiarity kind of breeds, uh, some of a lower stress environment. So maybe the fact that everything will be brand new, it'll be a little bit different there for the Ravens. And I think the concern with them and what I was really hoping to see was for them to unveil this new receiving core that they were going to have. But unfortunately uh, they had Rashad Bateman is out, but we're still going to have a chance to see with Sammy Watkins added to the mix there. So I think he could potentially bring something to that receiver room. Cause I think we saw that, while he wasn't doing a lot for the Chiefs when they had so many options, he did add a stable option there, and that's something that Lamar Jackson needs. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, he needs somebody there besides Mark Andrews at this point in time. So I definitely agree with you. I mean, even today, I mean, the Chiefs secondary receiving unit outside of Tyreek Hill, outside of Travis Kelsey, still a bit shaky at this point in time. McCall Hardman obviously didn't have a great game either. Demarcus Robinson, none of those guys really shined out. So I do think the Sammy Watkins moving over to Baltimore, I do think he's going to stabilize some things. I think long term, once they get Rashad Bateman healthy, I think Marquise Brown maybe could be a decent third receiver in that offense. But I do think that, um, they're going to be, they need to be more productive in the passing game if they want to actually move forward in that AFC um, to kind of challenge some of the upper tier teams that we have seen at this point in time. So 50.5 total. I think I like that from a betting perspective more than mm-hmm. anybody else. Um, we have, we have, we have the Raiders as the eighth best offensive team, according to our opponent, just grades. Do you think we are kind of overvaluing the Raiders or is the market kind of undervaluing them? Cause I think they're a team that we've been really high on throughout the whole off season and our simulations and those sorts of situations. What do you, how do you evaluate this Raiders team? And are they somebody that you can actually buy into from a betting perspective? Yeah. I mean, I think the truth probably lies a little Somewhere. bit in between. I know that's kind of a coward answer there, but uh, <laughs> when it comes to Derek Carr, I mean, he's someone who is graded well, who has performed pretty well by advanced metrics for efficiency, but you know, he's still Derek Carr. So I do think there are certain elements as far as his ability to maybe go and, you know, get a bucket, as they say, for some of these guys, when you really need it and those sorts of things and to press against a tough matchup, like the Baltimore Ravens, um, maybe it's not quite there for him, uh, especially against a defense that can confuse some, some people there. So I, I think it's somewhere in between, but I do think Carr is probably still underrated as far as how he's viewed across, you know, your consensus. If you went around you, to your average NFL fan and asked him to ranked quarterbacks who would probably be pretty low on that ranking yeah definitely i do agree with you i think that like the layman or the average person at this point in time has Derek carr is like um in the 20s or even later as a quarterback yeah. at this point in time so i think i think definitely like that take so i'm going to move back a little bit one player prop that i really like lamar jackson over 202.5 passing yards do you see that going over um here on monday night do you think we see uh an improved baltimore ravens passing game unit or are they going to have to probably you know build this up over the next couple weeks before they're really hitting on all cylinders week one may be over but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL to kick off week two DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game listen up because you don't want to miss this head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week two game to receive $200 in free bets instantly if a sportsbook is not yet available in your state DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. 
It is officially the NFL season, and today is the final chance to get 30% off any PFF subscription with promo code KICKOFF30. What can you get with a PFF subscription? All of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL college football betting dashboards, our grade-powered projections, cover probabilities, and betting values, 0 to 100 grades for every single player, player prop tool, which shows plus-minus value for every NFL prop, and so much more. Again, that's promo code KICKOFF30 for 30% off any PFF subscription ending today. Yeah, I, I do like that going over. I mean, there's also, I think, there's some props out there for for his rushing yards or his total yards, and I think that has um, potentially to go over there, you know, like a passing plus plus rushing yard props that I've seen that around 285 or something like that. I just don't know what they're going to do with the backfield because they have, you know, Tyson Williams there. They brought in an all-star team from 2015 at, <laughs> at running back where they brought in Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray and a lot of creaky joints that they brought in other than that. But I don't know who else is going to run it. So is there, is there a potential for them to run it even more often than they would normally with Lamar Jackson? I think that could right. be the case, although it's always weird to look at, you know, a quarterback uh, rushing prop and see that it's 80 yards and think that, that, that you could find some value there. Uh, yeah, value on the over for sure, right? I do think that um, from our perspective, we've kind of always been a little bit lower on Lamar Jackson rushing yards perspective because, you know, kind of what you said, it is hard to um, gauge him as an outlier at that quarterback position for his rushing ability at this point in time. It's something that we haven't seen very often at all. So I do think um, we tend to just regress a little bit toward what we would expect to actually be the case. Uh, and sometimes he continues to exceed. I think, you know, of last year when we had him under... Like, like 950 rushing yards or something like that. He did eclipse that basically in the final week, but it's always a sweat with Lamar Jackson. So I have kind of stopped betting his rushing yards props. Um, I do have a couple that I want to get your thoughts on those. Sure. So we got Darren Waller over 6.5 receptions. This is a plus price uh, Ravens. You know, obviously going to be missing Marcus Peters at this point in time. Have him graded out all that well against tight ends in coverage. Do you like Darren Waller going over 6.5 receptions? Or are you kind of buying into some of these, you know, ulterior sophomore wide receivers that the Raiders are going to be trotting out there? Guys like Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, even Hunter Renfro at this point in time. But um, do you like Darren Waller kind of being the target hog in this offense? Or do you think they kind of look to disperse the football a little bit more here in 2021? I mean, I like him being the target hog. I think that's probably a pretty fair number. I mean, the, the Raiders receivers cannot be any worse as far as how much right. of a share of the offense that they were accounting for. But at the same time, we are here. I mean, there's just been absolutely no buzz about rugs at all. Now, maybe that's something that we don't want to fall into too much, but he just really wasn't necessarily someone who's seen as a, as a strong prospect. I don't think by a lot of people coming out, uh, also just because he didn't really have much production there. And now we're looking at someone like Brian Edwards and we're looking at, you know, a late round receiver to say like, Hey, maybe this guy can step in and do yeah. something. And so a late round receiver like that, who hasn't had any production just doesn't have much of a chance normally going forward. So yeah, I, I think there's a possibility there. I mean, maybe they'll get Kenyon Drake involved in some interesting ways. And he's a guy who could steal some receptions away that would have gone to Waller. But I think for the foreseeable future, it's going to be the Darren Waller show. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I do, I do agree with you. What about Josh Jacobs? We have him. We kind of, you know, the player props tool kind of likes him under 2.5 receptions, really heavy juice. Do you think Kenyon Drake's going to be the guy involved in those passing in the passing game work, third down, those sorts of things at this point? 
Yeah, I, I think he is. Um, maybe there was some chance that that wasn't going to be the case, uh, but then they they spent a ton of money. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me now, but I think Kenyon Drake's contract puts him somewhere near the top 10 of running back contracts now in the amount he's making on a per-year basis. So I, I think he'll be heavily used. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. So let's move on. Let's talk just a little bit of showdown. What are you seeing from a showdown perspective uh, for this Monday slate? Who are you kind of thinking is going to be a little bit undervalued at that captain position? And who do you really like in the flex positions as well? Yeah, I mean, for for showdown, so this is the single game contest where you choose six players. You designate one of them as the captain that costs you one and a half times the amount, but then also gets one and a half times the scoring. I mean, Lamar Jackson basically broke showdown during his MVP season, and then he continues to have have the highest ownership numbers and, and, and the percentage rostered numbers for, especially for the captain position. He's normally rostered anywhere from, I don't know, 25 to 40%. Now that's gone down a bit because he didn't have quite as good of a year last year, but it's really kind of like, are you in on Lamar Jackson or not? Uh, so I think he's pretty fairly valued right now. Uh, I do like Derek Carr as a flex option um, as someone who probably won't be rostered nearly as much with so much of the focus on Jackson. And then for other players who are going to be a little bit less uh, at a lower salary here, uh, Tyson Williams is someone who pops here just because we really don't know about the rest of those, of those options there. So he's someone who looks a little bit interesting. And then, you know, if you want to go for Marquise Brown or, or Sammy Watkins there, they're also popping up a little bit here. If you want to just say, let's hope one of these receivers gets a long touchdown basically. Yeah, definitely. I do like, you know, kind of the dart throw play. What do you project like Tyson Williams is going to be rostered at? Because I feel like he's going to be really, really popular uh, in the showdown slate. Do you think that it's almost like there's an, an added game theory element where maybe you want to move toward a different running back, you know, that you think maybe is going to get some of those goal line looks at least or could be a little bit more involved? Are you just basically smashing uh, the free square option that is Tyson Williams at this point? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to just going to go for it there because he is his. His salary is not as low as you might think it would be. I mean, the fact that like for his flex uh, price is 6,800 versus, I mean, Josh, Josh Jacobs is more at 8,400, but you know, Jacobs is an established name and it's not a huge, huge difference there. Um, so for, for that reason, I'm, I mean, I expect he's going to be rostered at a higher rate than Jacobs at a higher rate than Kenyon Drake, who's has a slightly higher salary than Williams, but I don't know if it's going to be so overwhelming just because people don't really know what to expect from him at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree and they signed these names, right? These right, <laughs> they right. signed they the signed these names and they sounds like they, I think they did price them pretty well. Like they almost yeah. priced them as, you know, like the one B running back or something. I think if he was, you know, much cheaper, he probably would be more of a free square option. So I do, I definitely agree with that. I do think that is the correct approach. So we'll see, but any final words of wisdom, any final locks that you want to lock in for, you know, either DFS showdown or player prop at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think the last thing that, that I would mention is that, I talked with, I talked about him a little bit before, but it's just Marquise Brown. He was, he did have a very high target rate last year. Yeah. Now he didn't produce much with those targets, but for the fact that you still have these injuries, you only have Sammy Watkins and he's a guy that I may go back to the well on right here and just hope that that higher target rate can finally materialize into something. Uh, right. But if it doesn't, then maybe we can stop. We can give up the dream a, a couple of weeks into the season, but I'm still willing to go back at least on week one. 
Yeah, he's definitely a guy that's popped in mind because not only did he get the high target share, we got the high air yard share as yes. well, right? I mean, he basically like dominated that in this Ravens offense. So I am, I am kind of on board with at least you know putting a couple feelers out there with Marquise Brown, seeing what he can actually do for one final time. But I do agree with you. I think it's kind of a short leash if he doesn't produce in these first couple of weeks. It's probably a spot that you don't really want to go back to, especially when some of those other wide receivers you know start to get healthy and come back and things like that. So we will see. Uh, once again, this was Ben Brown joined by Kevin Cole, the showdown expert. We appreciate you guys listening to the PFF betting podcast. Thank you.